You're listening to the Highland Ministry Podcast. Thanks for joining us today. If you'd like to learn more about Highland Baptist Church, please visit our website at hbcmolino.com. Today's talk comes from Josh Hilton. Amen. Thank you for that song, Lana. If you have your Bibles, uh, turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Uh, I've been praying for for a couple of weeks of where we'd go uh, when we finished up Jonah, and then knowing that we had Mother's Day uh, last week, just uh, kind of praying with that direction of what God wanted us to do next. And uh, this week, I had had a couple of different options of things that God had laid on my heart, and uh, ultimately, He's He's pointed me to our text here uh, today. And the title of the message uh, is "The Believer's Role in Ministry." Uh, the believer's role in ministry, um, and oftentimes I, I've been asked over the years, um, people just say, well, "Josh, what what am I supposed to do? What what is what does this look like? I, I have a relationship with Jesus. What does that walk look like? Uh, what what are what am I called to do?" And and they all know that. And I can't give them that answer, just like I can't give you that answer. I can't tell you this morning, hey, this is ultimately what you're supposed to do each and every day with your walk with Christ, because that's, that's going to be different for all of us. Uh, my daily routine and your daily routine are going to be different things. Um, but I, I do believe that in Paul's letter here to the church at Corinth, uh, that there is a framework of some of the things that we all should be doing. Uh, there is, there is a, a theme of work that all believers are supposed to do. Our role in ministry. Um, now, honestly, a lot of believers don't believe that they're in ministry, but you are. You're doing work of ministry, or you're supposed to be. So if you have a relationship with Jesus this morning, you have a ministry. Uh, it may not be a preaching ministry. It may not be a singing ministry. Uh, it may not be something that you typically think of when you think of ministry. But we all have a role in ministry. We all have a purpose. We all have something that we are supposed to do. And so this morning, uh, I hope uh, in, in the, the sermon today that you'll get a glimpse of what your role is. Because we have similarities. We have similarities in things that we are uh, supposed to do. Oftentimes, uh, we, we would look at the Great Commission, and we've talked about that this year already, uh, and, and that is part of our role. But I think Paul actually goes into it a little bit deeper here in this passage in, uh, in his letters, letter to the church at Corinth. And so I want us to kind of dig into it a little bit. Now, if you're anything like me, when you read Paul's writings, sometimes you need a dictionary. Uh, Paul, Paul does not follow the same um, standards that, that I had growing up uh, in my English classes. Uh, a lot of his sentences, my, my teachers would have told me, hey, those are too long. Uh, we're just running on. And Paul will do that. Uh, he does a really good job of turning uh, one sentence into about seven verses uh, by the way that we broke it down uh, in Scripture. And he also uses words that go over my Holly Pond education. That's not a knock on Holly Pond. It's just he likes bigger words than uh, I typically use. But 
bear with me today. We'll, we'll explain some of those as we walk through uh, with it uh, as we dive into uh, the scripture here. So 2 Corinthians chapter 5, uh, starting in uh, verse 18, it says, Now all these things are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Namely, that God was in Christ reconciling the world, the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now, there's one word that popped up quite a few times there in just those two uh, verses. It's reconcile or reconciliation. And, and simply what reconcile means is to change thoroughly. To change thoroughly. So when you're looking at that word reconciliation, uh, don't get tied up in all the letters of it. Uh, we can change that to, uh, it, it means to change thoroughly. And so in essence, when you look at the scripture, it says, Now all these things are from God who has changed us thoroughly to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of helping other people change. So as we break this down, as we look at this, that's in essence what he's saying here. He says, namely that God was in Christ changing the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. And he committed to us the word of change. To get to our role in ministry... We have to understand there's a process that we have to go through. And we're going to walk through the why of ministry, the how of ministry, and then we'll get to the what of ministry. So we've got to look at the, the why, we've got to look at the how, and then we'll finally be able to understand the what for each and every one of us, that application side of it. But I believe that you find the why in those first two verses. And as we look at this idea of reconciliation being changed thoroughly, what happened is that uh, when man became separated from God because of our sin, immediately man tried to make a way back to God. Uh, you go all the way back to the fall with, with Adam and Eve, and uh, ever since then, uh, since Adam and Eve were, were separated from God because of the decision that they made, you see throughout history that man has tried to make their way back to God. Uh, you got the story of Babylon where uh, they tried to build a tower back to the heavens, uh, and they wanted to, or Tower of Babel, sorry, um, they, they wanted to build back to, uh, to, to God to obtain those heights. Uh, you, you watch all the way throughout history, and we've tried to make our way, we've tried to earn our way back into God's graces. But that wasn't possible. Even with the sacrificial system and, and what it looked like and, and everything back in uh, the Old Testament times, it was not possible for us to be good enough to get back to God. We couldn't change ourselves enough to fit what God created us to be. I'll be honest with you, that's something that I struggle with. I don't have the power to change myself enough to be good enough for God. I've told y'all multiple times, I'm, I'm a fixer. I want to fix things. I believe that given enough time, or I'm stubborn enough probably, probably not a belief. I'm stubborn enough to know that if I have enough time, I can probably fix it. If not, I can talk to somebody else and they can kind of point me in the right direction to fixing it. 
So for me, looking at this and going, hey, Josh, you have a sin problem that you can't fix no matter what you do. It's tough for me to swallow. But that is something that man has wrestled with since the beginning of time, since we were kicked out of the Garden of Eden because of sin entering the world. We have tried to change ourselves enough that God would say, okay, you did good enough. I'll accept you that way. But the reality of it is, is we can't do that. Nobody here can change themselves enough on their own will through their own strength and power to be able to look and, go, and God go, oh, you did pretty good. I'll take that. He even gave us a format for sacrifices in the Old Testament and man couldn't even follow that because we got to the point where we're like, you know what? He's asking for the best. And I really can't sell that one over there, so I'm going to give that one to God. I'm not going to be able to make money off of that one because that, that, that lamb only has three legs. So God's going to get that one because it's really not useful to me. So even with the format, even with guidelines, we were not able to follow that because we're just not good enough. We don't have that capability to be able to, uh, to fix those things ourselves and make that change that is required. God can't be a part of sin, and when sin entered the world, it put a separation between man and God. When man made that decision that we want to do it our way, it separated us from God. But God made a way for us to be changed through the work of Christ. The beauty of this this morning is that God didn't just leave us in this place where we're trying to figure out how we can fix all these things. We're trying to figure out how we can change ourselves, how we can become good enough to do what it is that we feel like we're supposed to do. And, and God didn't leave us in that. Fortunately for us, He loved His creation enough that He allowed us a way to be changed through Christ and through the work that Christ did on the cross. Man has tried to reach back to God for generations. And there are people out there that are still trying to strive to be good enough. There are religions that tell you in the world today that if you'll just do these things, then you'll find favor with God. The only thing that I find in Scripture that allows us to find favor in God is, is what Christ did on the cross and then what Christ did as He walked out of that tomb. There's nothing else in Scripture that says, if you'll just do this, it'll be okay. No, God said, hey, we've tried it man's way. I've, I've given you the format that you have to do with the perfect sacrifice and that wasn't good enough you weren't able to follow it I've already shown you that you can't do this on your own so here's my son the perfect sacrifice for you here is the gift that I'll give to you all you have to do is accept it all you have to do is accept it because we can't make that change ourselves so the why is we can't do it on our own. The why is you can't make that change. You can't reconcile yourself to God no matter how hard that you try. The, the why leads us into 
the how. So how did God make it happen? Why did God have to make it happen? And how did God make it happen? We're actually going to skip 20 and go down to 21 because you find the answer there. And so verse 21 says, He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So how did God make a way? He made a way through his son. He made him who knew no sin, the perfect one, the only one that's ever walked the face of this earth and not sinned, he made him to be sin on our part. That, that leads us to, the, to a picture of, of another term. Uh, and as, as I was studying, I was like, man, these, just, these, these bigger terms, it's, it's called imputation. And what that is, is that's a banking term that simply means to credit to one's account. To credit to one's account. So what happened here in this, this picture of what we see uh, in, in Paul's letter here is that God knew there wasn't a way for us to get there. He said, but I'm going to pay that debt anyways. The debt is too great for you to ever be able to get to the place where you could ever pay it off. It's ne you're never going to be able to do enough good things to pay that debt off. You're never going to be able to do enough things to get rid of that and get in the positive. He said, but I will take care of it for you. He said, here is a credit for your account. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf. This means that Christ just completely wiped our debt clean by what he did on the cross. He completely paid it in full so that everything you've ever done wrong, everything you'll ever do wrong, for not just for you as an individual, but for all of mankind, Christ paid that price. He paid that price on the cross for each and every one of us. The entire weight of our sins were on him, and he said paid in full. The entire weight of everything we've ever done wrong and everything we'll ever do wrong was placed on him, and God said, this sacrifice is enough. Your debt is paid in full. Your debt is paid in full. Church, this morning we have to hear that our debt is paid in full. Something that you could not take care of, something that you could not do, something that I could not do. It doesn't matter how good we are. It doesn't matter what type of job we take or anything that I do. Christ had to pay that debt for me. And my debt is paid in full. And I, I firmly believe that what, what God is looking for is he's looking for believers that are desiring to live like their debt is paid in full. He is looking for people that are willing to tell other people about the fact that your debt is paid in full. He credited everything to our account so we don't have to worry about it. Our debt is paid in full. Psalm 32 verses 1 and 2 says this. How blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. How blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity and in whose spirit there is no deceit. This morning, church, you're blessed. 
If you have a relationship with Christ, you are blessed. Because guess what? According to what the psalmist David says here in Psalm 32 verse 1, it says, How blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. And my Bible has that with an exclamation point because that is a, a shout this morning that our sin is covered by what Jesus did on the cross. You don't have to carry that burden anymore. We've got enough things that we're worried about. He said, you don't have to worry about your sin. All you have to do is trust in me, and I'll take care of that. I'll take care of the sin problem that mankind has. You just got to trust in me. Why? Because we couldn't do it on our own. And so he sent his son to die on a cross, and he stamped it paid in full. There is no debt that we have to pay for sin. We just have to trust in Him. Blessed is He whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. See, the thing is, we can only be reconciled because Jesus has given a credit to our account through His righteousness. We can only be changed thoroughly because of what Jesus did on the cross and it can be counted as righteousness to us. We didn't deserve it. I don't deserve it. But he gave it freely for each and every one of us. We see a, a picture of this. And I don't want you to get confused that what, what Christ did on the cross is the same as what Paul is doing here in this uh, short letter of Philemon. But Philemon verses 17 and 18, it's only one chapter, but Philemon verses 17 and 18, we get a picture uh, of, of this forgiveness of what Christ did for us on the cross as seen through what Paul says to Philemon about his servant Onesimus here. He says, If then you regard me a partner, accept him as you would me. But listen to what verse 18 says. But if he has wronged you in any way or owes you anything charge that to my account essentially that that is a a picture a real life example of what christ did for us on the cross and now he stands before the father and he says hey it's okay put that one on my account because that one's mine put that charge on my account i've already paid that bill because that one is mine that one belongs to me they have accepted me they're in a relationship with me and and they said hey you know what i, I trust in you and so you can put that on my bill you can charge that to my account now i'm no in no way comparing what Christ did to what Paul did here but I thought it was a great picture for us to be able to see this morning is he wanted Philemon to accept that servant and you can read through just the, the short 25 verses there um, in Philemon and he's talking about it. he said please take Onesimus back and, and I want you to accept him and, and let him labor for you but he knew there was some tension there and so Paul told him he said accept him as you would me he said, if there's anything he owes you, put that on my tab. This morning, God accepts us as he does Christ because of what Christ did on the cross. He accepts us not because we're good people, not because we deserve it, not because we've done anything worthy of God accepting us, but simply because his son died on the cross and paid that debt in full for us so we can be accepted by God because Jesus looks and says put it on my account put it on my account 
That's the hope we have as believers today. That's the hope that we have, that we get to walk around with this, that no matter what this world throws at us, we are accepted because of what Christ did on the cross. Why? Because we couldn't get there. We couldn't reconcile ourselves. How? Because he died on the cross. He paid that debt for us. So what does that mean for us? What are we supposed to do with that news this morning? Oh, honestly, I think you should celebrate because of that news this morning. That should be a a pattern of your life that you celebrate because, hey, it's not just a ticket to heaven. It's a freedom. It's a freedom of the burden of sin each and every day that we walk on this earth. But what are we supposed to do until we get to see Jesus face to face? What are we supposed to do in the meantime? Well, verse 20 gives us a little glimpse into the what of ministry. Verse 20 in in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 says this, Therefore, because we couldn't reconcile ourselves and Jesus reconciled us, therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. Now you may say, okay, Josh, I, I got an understanding of what an ambassador is, but just in case you don't this morning. An ambassador is one that speaks on the behalf of a country, generally. If you are an ambassador of something, you are going and you take the place of all the people traveling there and you speak on behalf of them. But what's supposed to happen with an ambassador, and I say supposed to because you don't always see that, is they are supposed to speak only what they're told to speak. They are supposed to represent whatever it is they're representing only in the way that they are allowed to represent that. That's what a true ambassador is. is one that goes and they carry the message of the sender. They go in their place and say, hey, this is, this is who we are. This is what we believe. This is, these are our things. That's what the role of an ambassador is. Now, we don't always see a perfect picture of that, and I'm not going to get into that. But that's what it means when it says, therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. We are representatives for Christ. So we go out into the world with the message that Christ has given to us, and we share that with those people. We share that with the people that God puts us in front of. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were making an appeal through us, we beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Be changed by God. This morning, we have a role in ministry. We have the opportunity to be an ambassador for Christ. We have the opportunity to go into a lost and dying world and hope them. We have the opportunity to speak life to people. But one of the things you may look at and go, Josh, if if, if Christ paid that debt in full, why is it just not automatically given to everybody. Because I've not worked in the banking world, but I imagine if we had all these accounts, and I went up and I said, hey, you know what, I'm going to pay all the debts for every one of these loans. It would probably be easier for them to click the old select all box and be like, here's the total, pay it off. 
it'd probably be easier for us to look and go, hey, let's just check that one box at the top. You know, when you're, you're deleting your emails, and, and if you get 4,000 a day like I do, uh, it's, it's easier just to go select all and delete. I don't do that because some of them may be important. Most of them are not because uh, they're the same things every day. But I imagine that looking at, at, at what Christ did for us, that it would be easier for us uh, to, to just look and go, hey, just select all and I'll just pay them all. The thing is, the reality is, that money is there. That, it's in the accounts for everything to be paid off. So why aren't they just automatically taken care of? Why isn't it automatically just done? Well, I want to share what I read in the commentary this week. They stated it way better than, than I ever would be able to. So y'all bear with me with what he says here. It says, Christ's death made provision for the reconciliation of the whole world. It was for the whole entire world. Everybody has that opportunity to have their debt paid in full. But the experience of ac actual reconciliation to God is affected only among those who respond to the gracious work of Christ in faith. It is only for those who respond to that work of Christ that actually get that credit to their account. He goes on to say, and it says, as, as, as Chaffer expresses it, men are not uh, se severely saved by the act of Christ in dying, but rather they are saved by the divine application of that value when they believe. And he paints this picture, he said, The blood of the Passover lamb became effective only when applied to the doorpost. If you go back to Exodus and, and what they told him to do in that last, that, that tenth plague, they said, hey, the death angel will pass over you if you put the blood of the lamb on your doorpost. But if you forgot or you didn't do it, your neighbor's blood on their doorpost doesn't cover yours. You suffered loss in that. Pharaoh suffered loss because there was no blood of the lamb on his doorpost. And so the thing is, everybody could have done it. They could have walked through the whole thing and they could have put that blood of the lamb on every one of those doorposts and it could have been paid in full for everybody. But the choice is individual. We don't just get to select all and it just automatically happen. No, people have to accept that work that Jesus did on the cross. And he summed it up with this last sentence. It says, the provision is universal, but the application is conditional. The provision is universal. The provision, what God did on the cross, what Christ did through his death on the cross, is enough for everybody. But the application is conditional. you got to accept it. Before that work covers you. You got to accept it. Before that work. That blood covers your sin. And pays your debt. So first and foremost for us. To ever get to our role of ministry. To ever get to the place where it is. That we are doing the things that we are. Supposed to do. First and foremost is we have to accept. The blood of the lamb. That blood has to cover us. It has to cover our sins. It has to cover all the wrong that we've done. We've got to trust in Him before He ever stamps it paid in full. 
And some of y'all this morning, probably many of you are saying, Josh, I've done that. Well, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord that you said, you know what? I can't do this on my own. I can't reconcile myself. So God, I'm going to take your gift and I'm going to apply that to my life. And, and, and I'm going to do So what do we do with that now? Our salvation is not just fire insurance. Our salvation is not just something where we come down and we, and we say a prayer and then we get up and we go, okay, now I can live my life how I want to. That is not the goal of Christianity. That is not the role of a believer. We have a role. We have a purpose. And after we accept that free gift, then we become ambassadors for Christ. We have a purpose while we're here. This morning in, in our small group class, we were, walk, were walking through the book of Genesis. And we're talking about the flood. Just kind of walking through chapter by chapter. We're talking about the flood. We talked about when God closed those doors on the ark. And what it might have been like. It's all speculation because we don't really know what it was like. But what was it like when those springs from the ground just burst forth and the rain started to fall? Something they had never seen before was now completely changing their entire world. How much time did they have to react? Because we, we talked about the, the thought that, well, you'd think some of them would be trying to crawl on that boat. Be trying to find a way in. God shut the door. There was no way in. There was no way out for those animals and for Noah and his family. God's the one who shut the door. But we, we talked about the, the truth that, that there's a good chance that maybe some of those people, if they had time to react, I don't know. I mean, it filled the whole earth in 40 days and 40 nights. So that water was moving. But if they had time to react, what, what would they have done? How would that be any different? See, the thing is, Noah, from what we understand, he didn't shy away from what he was doing. There's a good chance that he told the people, hey, this is, I'm, I'm doing what I'm told to do. God told me to do. He said, because he's, he's about to destroy mankind. Things are about to change here. Stuff's about to happen. So y'all need to be ready. And we talked about the fact that we don't know how fast the water came up. We know how high it went above the tallest mountain. 15 cubits, I believe is what it said. So it covered the face of the earth. But we don't know what kind of timeline they had. And God hit me this morning with the thought of, is that how it's going to be when Jesus comes back? That people are going to look and go, oh wait, I've heard this message before. What was that sound? Because we talked, well, maybe there was some thunder that preceded the rain. Maybe there was something, uh, that, that commotion as the, the water burst forth from, from the ground. There's something that sparked them, and they're like, oh, we've never heard this before. Even if it was just the sound of rain in the trees. We've not heard this before. This sounds different than what it is we've experienced. Well, the truth may be is that there may be people out there that... Maybe they've heard the fact that one day Jesus is coming back and then all of a sudden they hear a trumpet out of nowhere. And they're like, oh, 
But at that point in time, it's going to be too late. The announcement's already happened. The doors are already closed. It's too late. It was too late for the people to get on the boat with Noah. And one day, sadly, it's going to be too late for people to accept a relationship with Jesus Christ. And I say that to you this morning because I need the reminder of the reality of hell. The reality of what is coming for people who don't accept that message. The payment was enough for everybody. The payment was enough for not just for all of Highland Baptist Church. The payment was enough not just for all the people who are attending church somewhere today. The payment was enough for all of mankind that's ever been born will ever be born. The payment was enough for them. But the blood has to be on the doorpost when the death angel comes by. The blood has to cover them. They have to make that decision. And I've told y'all before, I can't make that decision for you. You can't make that decision for me. We can't make that decision for anybody else. But what Scripture tells us is we're supposed to be pointing them in the right direction. My Bible tells me that therefore, because of this reconciliation that we have, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were making an appeal through us he is begging us, please say something. Uh, please tell them this message. Please get to them before it's too late. Making an appeal through us. We beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. The reality is we won't win them all. But that doesn't mean that we shouldn't try. Just because we're not going to win them all doesn't mean that they don't deserve the message. Just because they're going to make a different choice doesn't mean that, it, that we should not tell them the truth of Scripture. It's not my job to decide who's going to accept Christ. It is my job to be His ambassador everywhere I go, sharing that message of reconciliation to a lost and dying world. Sharing that message that you can be changed. You can have something better than what you're walking through right now. You can have a hope that even when the worst days come, Jesus still loves you. And He's still there for you. You can have that hope. My prayer is that everybody that's in here and everybody that's watching online this morning, they have that hope already. And if not, we're going to have an invitation in just a moment. You'll have an opportunity to receive that hope. But what are we doing with that hope, church? What are we doing with that hope? Because Jesus said, I paid the price for everybody. But somebody's got to go tell them somebody's got to go and share them that is our role in ministry our role your role in me, you, want to, you want me to tell you what it is that God wants you to do with your life he wants you to tell people about him now you may do that in a bank you may do that in a warehouse you may do that at a grocery store you may do that uh, driving a school bus you may do that teaching a class you may do that working in a hospital you may do that working in a church 
But at the end of the day, everybody's role is the same. Everybody has that same job that we are supposed to go and tell people about Jesus. You can't tell me this morning you don't have a purpose. You can't tell me this morning that you don't know what it is that God wants you to do. You may not know what God wants you to do down the road, but right now he's saying, hey, I've got you here. I want you to tell people about me. Tell all of them you run into. That person that you keep seeing at the Dollar General, tell them about Jesus. There's a reason you keep running into them. There's a reason that that girl works behind the counter every time you're there. There's a reason that that person uh, at the grocery store is the one who always bags your groceries. There's a reason for this. Because I want you to tell them about me. I want you to show them that, that people that follow me are different. Not that we're better. We're different because we live with hope. Because we're not better than anybody else. Because without Jesus, I'm just like everybody else. And that doesn't have anything to do with me. I tried to fix it myself. And Jesus said, Josh, you can't do it. I said, yes, Lord. I'll accept that gift. That's the only thing that makes me different. Is I accepted the gift. There's people out there that need to hear the gospel. They need to hear that God loves them. That somebody loves them. They need to hear about a hope that only comes by putting our faith in Jesus. That's your job. That's your role. You're going to do it in a lot of places that I'm not allowed to go to. There's going to be a lot of places that I'm not invited in that y'all go to every day because that's your role. That's not mine. We have a job to do as believers. We get to be we get to, not have to, we get to be ambassadors for Christ. Which means we get the opportunity to go and tell his message and represent him everywhere that we go. This morning, my prayer is that that was not just for me. My prayer is that God has spoken to you in some way, shape, or form. That God is showing you your purpose. He has given you a reason to continue moving forward. Because sometimes there's days that we just need that, right? Sometimes there's days we look and go, you know what? Monday's coming and I don't really want to adult on Monday. <laughs> That's just reality. I don't really want to do those things. It's the same thing every week. And so I know tomorrow when I go to work, my boss is going to crawl me about something that I didn't do, but it's going to be my fault. And I don't really want to deal with that. Maybe today was your reminder that God put you in that place for a different reason. Maybe today your reminder is that God has a purpose for you and it's not just to walk through the mundane days of life to crawl through what's called that minutia, that junk that we don't like. God has a purpose for you today. Not just on Sunday. He's got a purpose for your Monday. He's got a purpose for your Tuesday, for your Wednesday, your Thursday. God desires to use you as His ambassador. He said, I just want you to tell people about the things that I've done for you. You don't have to quote Scripture. Unless I lay it on your heart. You don't have to be able to quote a whole book of the Bible or even a whole chapter. 
I just need to tell them about what I've done for you. And let me do the rest. Because I've already paid their debt. They just don't know that I've paid it already. It's like they're holding on to that bill at the, at the um, restaurant. And they're looking and going, I've I got to find somebody that I can pay this for. I don't know how I'm going to pay it because it's too much. But I've got to find some way to pay this bill. And God's saying, I, I'm telling you, go tell them I've already paid that bill. Go tell them that I've already taken care of it. Go tell them that they, their debt is paid in full. They can stop trying and just start following. Tell them about the freedom that I bring. Tell them about the hope that I put in your heart this morning. Tell them about that song that I placed on your mind as you're driving to work today. Give them that reminder that you got from small group or from a devotion that you read. Remind them of the things that I've done for you. And I'll do the rest. I just want you to plant the seed. That's what God's asking for His church to do. And it's not just Highland Baptist Church's role. It's every church's role. That's the role of believers in ministry. You get to do ministry when you leave this place. You get to do ministry tomorrow when you walk into your workplace. And some of you are saying, Josh, I'm retired. Praise the Lord. I don't have to walk back into one of those places. You get to do ministry in your home. You get to do ministry at the grocery store. You get to do ministry driving down the road. You get to do ministry and having conversations with your neighbors. You get to do ministry. No matter where God has you. That's what He wants for you. He wants your life to have purpose. And that purpose is to follow Him. And to talk about Him. Wherever you go. I don't know where you're at this morning. But here in just a moment we're going to open up the altar. Maybe today you're looking and going. Josh I knew. That that gift was universal. But I didn't know that I had to accept it. I didn't know that I had a condition and that condition was simply for me to accept that gift of salvation. If that's you today, I, I'm begging you. Just as Paul was begging the church at Corinth to plead on God's behalf to the people, I'm begging you to make that decision today. Don't leave this place not knowing where you stand with God because I can't promise you're tomorrow. And I don't want to scare you. I just want to give you the facts reality is we don't know what our future holds but we can trust in the one who holds our future so today if you don't have a relationship with Jesus I ask that you would get that squared away before you ever walk through those doors and maybe today you're looking and going Josh I've done that but I've not been an ambassador for him well the altar's open for you to spend time with him the altar's open for you to lean in and say, God, what is it that you want me to do? God, give me that one person you want me to talk to. Give me that one person, that one reason that I keep going back to that job. That one reason I keep going back to that same store. That one reason that I keep showing up at this restaurant. Give me, give me that one reason, Lord, and let me be faithful. I don't know how God's speaking to you today, but my prayer all week and my prayer this morning is that He is speaking to you. And so now is the time for us to respond. After a brief prayer, we'll open up the altar and you will have the opportunity to respond to what it is God's speaking to you today. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for today. Lord, we thank you for the truth of your word. Lord, I pray that 
your people heard your challenge. And God, as you continue to speak to us, Lord, keep changing us. Keep shaping us into what it is you'd have us to do. And God, we'll give you the glory for it all. Move in this place in these moments. And we'll praise you and we'll celebrate the work that you do. We ask all of this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. If you were encouraged by today's talk, please rate and subscribe at Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcast. Thanks for joining us. Have a great day.